Welcome to the Finding Backcountry Podcast with your host, Dustin Whitwer. I am Dustin Whitwer, and this is the Finding Backcountry Podcast. Follow along on my journey of learning from the best backcountry hunters each week as we explore valuable information I use to find success in the backcountry. Let's get to the show. Okay, this is the uh, Finding Backcountry Podcast, back again for another week, uh, another episode. And I've got a, so I've got a guest on and, um, I, I haven't even mentioned this to him yet, uh, even before I hit record here, but, um, until, until just today, I did not even know what your first name was. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I was following you on Instagram and that's, that's part of the reason, uh, you know, and I'll tell that story in a second, but. Um, you know, normally if I, if, if I'm following someone and I can tell like they've got a story to tell or there's something I think would be valuable that we should have you on the podcast, <laughs> I, I can message you. And then like most people put their name in their profile and you didn't even have your name in your profile. So I'm like, yeah. Oh, sure. Hey, uh, anyway, hey, so hey, hey, game over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Anyway, I didn't, I didn't care, but I did enough research that, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm 98% sure that your name's Andy. <laughs> it is. Okay. Very, yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. Nailed it. <laughs> so anyway, I thought that was pretty funny. I was like, who am I podcasting with today? Uh, uh, oh, game, game over IG. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who cares? Well, you know, it's so, it's so funny actually. And I'll kind of go into that a little bit really quick is, is, uh, so back in like 2010, right, when everybody started Googling their own names and looking stuff up, or maybe it was even before this, 2008, um, I went through and I Googled my name and I could find so much different information about myself <laughs> that was like photographs and like all different stuff, like all the way tagged back to like MySpace pictures and like, <laughs> dude, like no one should most, see. Yeah, no one should see our old MySpace pictures. <laughs> dude, the most horrifying, elaborate stuff on the planet. So I went through. It took me like two years. I went through and I just started deleting my name everywhere I could find it. And then uh, I think the first time that something has come up in my name with my name uh, is the podcast that Anthony and I did yeah. back in last November because he used my name. Yeah, and that was the first time. That was the first time that anybody's used my name on the internet in a long you're, time. You're like, dude, Andy. Don't you realize that you know, in ten years from now, we're all just going to go by our Instagram handles anyway. I mean, it's going, yeah, it's going that way anyway. You go to a, like a hunt expo and you walk around and you're like, oh, hey, uh, at Elk Hunter seven three four. Like, I, <laughs> I don't even know who you are, but I know you like a brother. You know, you're like, oh, alcoholic. What up, man? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a crazy world we live in, but, right. uh, anyway, not to, uh, not to beat on the social media drum too much. I, I had a comment. Finally, someone commented in that, um, stop talking about so, social media so much. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. So, 
which, you know, to some extent, we just talk about what we talk about. And to the other extent, I was like, yeah, that's probably a pretty good point. We, uh, I go off on these rants about where social media is going and how it changes us and stuff like that. But anyway. Yeah, dude, I've got plenty of rants about that. Yeah. Well, in the shadow. Yeah. Well, it's kind of funny. So backing up a little bit, the reason, um, the reason that I wanted you on here and was excited to have you on, um, you know, you, you and I, we, we messaged back and forth. You can tell we're just kind of like see, see certain things the same way. And, but really, really like, um, if I was being flat out honest, like I've seen enough of your Instagram, your stories where <laughs> <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Um, you're just like, you just have some laughing, happy attitude that people yeah. shouldn't have on a normal basis. And so I, I was, yeah. I was attracted to that in a no homo sort of way. And, uh, <laughs> and just was like, I always look forward to clicking on your stories because I'm like, what is he going to be laughing about next? And what is just, going on yeah. in this guy's world today? Yeah. And you know, it was like, like, I don't know, everyone, everyone can make a post that's like, oh, my life's great. I killed this huge elk or like, I, you know, I got a new job and I'm living in this new house. Like everyone can kind of make the post, but like to see like the Instagram story morning <laughs> after morning after morning and you're like pulling yourself out of bed at, you know, I don't know, it's probably five o'clock or whatever. It's 4.30. Yeah, 4, ungodly times. 4.30 and you just have this like, this like, it. It almost reminded me of like a grin when something's you're doing something so stupid that you're like you have to laugh about it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> just like, anyway, so that's the reason I wanted to have you on, and I was excited because, frankly, like we just need more people that carry a smile on their face um, more yeah. often. So I agree with that. Yeah. Why? Why? What? Why do you think that is? Why? Why do you think? Uh, what? What makes you just generally? Uh, wake up and post an Instagram story with a smile on your face? Um, you know, a lot of it for me is like, I mean, I smile, dude. I smile a lot. And like, does that mean that I'm not like, I mean, I'm human, of course. Like, do I have anger? Do I have all different kinds of stuff? Of course, always. There's always other things going on. But one thing that I've learned for myself in the last, I don't know, since I was 19, so for the last 13 years is that no matter what, everything is going to be all right. <clears throat> so, so for me, and like, so for me, it's, dude, who doesn't want to smile? Who doesn't want to laugh? Like, I, I strive to have fun and I strive to enjoy my life, you know, and, and uh, I try to represent that. And, you know, like I said, dude, I have hardships. I go through, you know, breakups or emotional trials and tribulations with family members or, friends or you know what i mean the, the spectrum of life dude life is life is always going to happen and it's how i deal with it you know and like if i'm always smiling and staying positive and putting my next foot forward my best foot forward and continuing to carry on like anybody can do that you know and like dude i and i don't know if we'll get into it but like i've been in the depths of hell you know i've i've come back from my own personal hell so you know there's for me, there's there's nothing that is going to just. I mean, there's things that'll they'll they'll they might wrap me up for a month or two months or something like that. But I'll be positive and I'll work my way through it. You know, and it's 
you know, the, the, it's funny. I'll go on a side tangent off of that really quick is there's a guy I used to follow on Instagram and this guy is like super positive, always like he's running, you know, marathons every single day and he's like doing all this stuff and like working out a lot, all this crazy stuff. And I'm like, man, like this guy is way too excited for life. He's way too motivating for me to deal with. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't, I couldn't follow him. Right. I was like, all right, I can't do this. Right. And now I look at it and I'm like, dude, I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm totally like, I'm exactly, you know, and then I look at him like somebody unfollowed me, you know, like, or whatever it is, you know, like somebody had a problem with me because I was super positive about stuff. And it's, and I'm like, wow, that's role reversal right there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, but before there's, there's a, a couple things I want to get into, um, you know, that are, that are off, that are actually off the topic of, of hunting. But, yeah. um, I, I'm curious first though, like, um, why, why hunting and, and kind of how do you, um, how do you use that to help you keep that good attitude about life? That's actually a really good question. Um, so for me, I mean, hunting has been going on in my family for generations. My grandparents hunted, um, their parents before them were hunters as well. Um, you know, my family originally, if you, if you go all the way back on the getting side of my family, on my mother's side, my family originally came over to America in, uh, 1594 or 1593, um, you know, so you can follow my family history like way back. So they were like pilgrims hunting and doing all different kinds of stuff, you know, like forever. Um, my dad's side is, you know, they came over from Italy and stuff like that, um, right at the end of the 1800s and, uh, to all, you know, eventually everybody ended up in the Bay area. But, um, so it's just been passed down through generations of my family, uh, forever. And I mean, the, the earliest memories of my child, I think the first hunting trip that I went on, I was like four or five months old. And of course I don't remember it. You know, the, my first experience with death with an animal was, um, or not four or five years old, excuse me, four or five months old was my, my first, my first hunting trip I went on. But at four or five years old is the first time I witnessed my dad kill a grouse and like witnessed the taking of life, you know, and, uh, it was really difficult for me. I, I cried and then I found out we were going to eat it and I was really happy about it. Um, <laughs> it's totally, I mean, my parents told the story. It's a totally bizarre story, you know, but I, I just kind of at a very young age fell in love with nature and fell in love with the outdoors. And, uh, I ran around with bows and arrows, you know, with like sticky ends and I'd shoot my arrows at, you know, fake deer targets. And it was just kind of the way that I was brought up, you know, was, was hunting and, and looking at the bucks that my grandparents and my parents would bring home from their hunting trips when they would come back from whatever, uh, whatever state they'd been hunting in. Um, so in California, you can't hunt big game until you're 12 years old. Um, I had gone on a hunt or two hunts, like actually walking with my dad while he was hunting. I actually botched a hunt with my dad. 
that I still feel horrible about to this day. How did you how did, me, how did you botch it? So my dad got a premium California zone and X zone tag. And he's like, cool, I'm going to take, I was 10 years old at the time. I'm going to take my 10-year-old son and we're going to go have fun. Get a rifle tag. We're walking around and, you know, just jump a monster buck in this foot in this uh, jack pine patch. And he's following it the direction that it's going. And I, I think it's coming the other direction because I'm 10 and I know everything. <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's coming over here. It's coming over here. My dad runs over to where I'm at and he's like, where is it? And it runs out the other side and he missed the shot opportunity completely. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I just kind of fell in love with hunting. Um, you know, and, and, uh, I would say I hunted a lot from, I mean, as much as, it, you know, 12 to 16 year old can or 12 to 15 year old can. Um, and, uh, you know, 15 rolled around and, and I ended up getting into like a bunch of silly stuff as a kid. Um, and, uh, I'll, I'll say a quote unquote, I took a break from hunting from the time I was like 15 until the time I was like 22, probably. Um, because I was just way too involved with like my social scene and what was going on in high school. And I was shipped around to like, you know, I, was, I lived in Montana for a little while. I lived in Texas for a little while. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of had some issues to work out. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, the benefit, you know, there was a ton of benefit of that um, from that, you know. And, and I always like to say, too, it's like, um, I was never really raised in a religious household or anything like that. Um, you know, so I never, I never went to church regularly. I never, you know, I never got taught the Bible or anything like that. Everything that I know of the Bible, you know, taking the time out of my own life to, to read different things and understand it or pick people's brains about it. And, uh, for me going into nature and spending time outdoors, like that's, that's me going to church. I feel the same way about nature spiritually as a religious guy feels about going to church on Sunday spiritually. You know, that's my connection, my rejuvenation. That's where it all comes back to me. I, I become whole again. Well, and in, <clears throat> I'm sure that in, you know, part of it is in the world that we live in. Um, yeah. You know, there's, there's just a lot of, um, there's a lot of not good things, you know, there's a lot of yeah. not, not good people. Unfortunately, I, I, I think that everyone has good in them, but, uh, a lot of people choose to not be good or the, you know, people just choose to be a part of bad things. And, and, and so you go out into the wilderness or the back country or whatever. And it's just like, <clears throat> it's, it's one of the only places on earth. I feel like that's exactly how God intended it to still be. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Like, there, Absolutely. there's especially the wilderness, like there, there's nothing about it that would be changed if God himself was here to change it. It would be just the way that it is. You know? Right. Yeah. Yeah, totally. No, I mean, I, I completely relate to that and completely agree with that. Um, you know, and, and, you know, like I was saying too, like when I was younger, like I was, you know, off to the races, I was out of control, kid, teenager, you know, and, uh, 
and smoking and drinking and partying and, you know, just absolutely nuts. Um, you know, and I was never comfortable by myself. I was never comfortable alone and, and, uh, in that time period. And now, you know, something that I do for myself is, you know, like, like what you're talking about, you go into the woods, you go into nature and you can unplug and be by yourself and, and be comfortable with yourself and what you're doing, the knowledge and the know-how of what's going on out there, you know, and being aware of your surroundings as well as, uh, you know, like when I can't make it out to the forest or when I can't make it out to the woods, like I take myself out to dinner, you know what I mean? Like I go to dinner alone and I enjoy my dinner alone and have a long time, even though I'm in a mess of people, you know, and there's like a million people in a restaurant, but having that time to be comfortable in my own skin by myself is so important. Yeah. You know, it just, it, it gives you that confidence that you don't need any, anyone or anything else around you to be, you know, at peace, so to speak. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. What, um, you mentioned hunting with your dad, uh, growing up and I, I saw some of your posts of, of your dad hunting and I, I'm not sure if he, if he gets out with you anymore or not, but what, uh, what, what's like a, a lesson that you learned from, you know, what's, what's a story maybe, um, of a lesson that you learned from hunting with your dad growing up? Man. That's a really good question. I mean, I wouldn't even, everything that I know about hunting is, is, you know, stuff that my dad has instilled in me, uh, whether it be, you know, what's an ethical shot or how to track an animal or, you know I mean? Like, um, something I take a lot of pride in is being able to find blood and blood tracking. <laughs> it's almost uh, a lost I mean, art, I, huh? <laughs> dude, you know, and, and out here, like, I mean, I've, I, I think the longest blood track I've ever gone is probably like a mile and a quarter or a mile and a half or something like that. And, uh, I mean, and I followed it all the way out. But my dad was the one who was like, see, you see this mark right here? Although it just looks like, you know, a smudge or, you know, a rock move, that's a track. And then that's a track. So when the blood trail runs dry, I mean, you know, I can, I can really get down on my hands and knees and, and find blood or find animals and, and track them down. But there's like, there's so, there's so much it's, you know, perseverance, not, not giving up, just continuing to go out there and try again and, and, uh, enjoy the time while we've got it you know yeah. one uh one thing i can say definitely <laughs> is like so my dad every time we go on a hunting trip he'd always reflect back in the 80s uh when my uncle first bought his ranch in montana and everybody was going up there and uh you know he had had he just had two kids you know he's just married and bought a house and you know, was remodeling the house and this and that and the other thing. And he couldn't always afford, you know, he could go like every three or four years instead of every year, like, a, like a few of the other people, you know, my retired grandparents. Um, 
And uh, for me, that was that's part of my motivation on why I'm spending so much time hunting now, um, and and getting out there now. You know, because like <clears throat> it's later in his life, and I get I. I hear him talk about how he wish he went on this hunt or he wish he went on that hunt or he wishes he did this and he wishes he did that. And I look at that as like, all right, I'm going to learn from his experience and I'm going to do that and I'm going to make it happen no matter what. And, uh, really persevere to, to make sure that I am there for that. And I am, and, and I am present, you know, cause like the last thing, I mean, I doubt it, but who knows in 20 years, we could not have hunting at all, you know? So for me, I just really try to push myself and push the limits to get out and do as much hunting as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you sent me a, a post and I was reading, I was reading through some of the history on it, um, of an accident that you had when, uh, Uh you, you fell, sounded like you fell from like a three story, a building out of a forklift. Yeah. Um, talk, talk about, talk about that and talk about what happened briefly. So, um, I was 19 years old and I'd, I'd actually, I've been, I've been sober for, I haven't had a drink or a drug since I was 19 years old. So, um, I was, I was six months sober at the time. And, uh, at, on a job site, I used to do slate roofing, and, and uh, we were out in Piedmont, California. Um, without getting into too much detail exactly of what happened, uh, you know, the end result was through neglect, the pallet that I was in, I was loading with slate. I had about 500 pounds of slate, which is stone tiles, roofing tiles. Um and this pallet had flipped while I was in it. Um, and it, you know, like it, it teetered, right? So my left leg stayed straight, my right leg bent up. And the entire impact of the 35 foot fall went into my kneecap, or 30 foot fall went into my kneecap. I shattered my kneecap, broke my kneecap. They bolted it back together, broke or uh, fractured T12 in my back, lacerated my liver, and smashed the left side of my face. And then, you know, 500 pounds of slate landed all over me and around me. Um, you know, and, uh, I definitely, I definitely didn't think at the time the doctors weren't really sure. I mean, obviously day of, they had no idea what was going to happen. Um, they found out that my injuries were actually relatively minor compared to what should have happened with the 35 foot fall. Um, you know, and, and, uh, it was kind of a, you know, is is a weird spot for me, you know. So I was nineteen. Um, I couldn't do anything. I wasn't really mobile for a long time. I was I was jobless for about five years. Um, and in this time, in that five year period, was um, on workman's comp and you know going to PT and all that kind of stuff. That was kind of when I started falling back in love with hunting and and all that. Um, so yeah, I, I was all jacked up and, uh, I ended up, I lived, I moved down in LA and, you know, did a bunch of stuff in the film industry down in LA. 
with a with a buddy of mine who was running a film company. And I came back to Northern California. Um, I'd gone on a trip, and uh, I went from L.A. to Austin, Texas, to Alabama, to Charleston, down to Orlando, um, back to Charleston, and then to Texarkana, and then we went up to my uncle's ranch in Montana. And I was there for two weeks. And uh, I sat down with my uncle. My uncle is someone I look up, someone that I look up to a lot. Uh, he is uh, a huge inspiration and a huge drive for me with the amount of life that he's lived and things that he's accomplished in his life in the last, you know, 40, 50, 60 years of his life. Uh, went to his house and we were sitting down and talking and, and he was like, hey, you know, you kind of need to get back in touch with with the outdoors and the wilderness and you know, I'm there and I've got a two foot tall Mohawk and I'm you know, dressed <laughs> in all black. I have a bad religion t-shirt on, and, you know, like, I mean, I got, I got a bullet belt on and a rag hanging out my back pocket. <laughs> super, super, super punk rock, like angry at everything. Totally ready to go out and enjoy nature. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so actually while I was on that trip, I went, and uh, helped my brother kill, which at the time was the biggest buck of his life. And uh, I, I kind of, I just had this point, especially after the conversation with my uncle. This is like one of many times that my uncle has talked to me while I was in Montana with him. And he has just changed my perspective on life entirely. And um uh, and I, so after that trip, I went back down to LA and I moved back to Northern California in under 24 hours. And, uh, that was kind of the diving point of when I, when I started diving back into hunting and, and, uh, started really trying to change a lot of my life. Um, because of my injuries, uh, I wasn't able to get into law enforcement. Um, so I had gone through 911 Dispatch Academy. I wanted to become a dispatch officer. I wanted to be the person on the other end of the line, the first, like, the first responder right. that's taking a phone call, you know, to the emergency and uh, and helping people. Through that, um, obviously, it didn't pan out because I'm not a 911 dispatch operator. <laughs> but uh, you know, I graduated the academy. It was a really great experience. It was really eye opening. Um, for me and and uh, i learned a lot about myself through that process um i feel like i'm getting way off topic <laughs> no no you're <clears throat> you're not at all you're doing good um in fact okay. i but i i do want to ask you um yeah you know what with with that injury or or may, maybe even just generally with with other um you know hardships in your life i mean what what perspective does that give you of hunting because and, and, and the reason that I ask this and the reason I'm going there is <clears throat> if I was being honest, like I don't, I haven't had like a, a, an earth shattering life changing. An uh, NDE. Yeah. Yeah. You know, near, I, a near death experience, a, a near death or, um, you know, Co Cody Rich was on here and he's talking about diving into a, <clears throat> excuse me. He's talking about diving into a, and hitting that cement a lake lot. and hitting that cement thing and you know oh, paralyzed God, and 
you know, and like, and, and I hear yours and it's like, man, like it, it makes me feel bad because at times, at times I'll take, I feel like I take hunting and the passions or my family or my friends for granted, you know? And, and, and so I, I'm just curious what, what perspective, um, that, that gave you and, but, but more importantly, how, how do you think, how would you recommend to someone who hasn't had that type of perspective, um, you know, to keep, uh, to keep an appreciation for, for the important things in life? Man, you're hitting me with like serious questions. <laughs> okay, let, let, let me let me lighten it up for you real quick, and we'll come back to that. Yeah. Are you aware yeah. of Are you aware of the perception that Western hunters have of California hunters coming and hunting other states? <laughs> no, I'd love to hear that. <laughs> oh, oh, we just um, I'll I'll speak for most of us when I say we. Anytime, anytime someone sees a California plate show up at their trailhead, it's like, it's like a little bit worse. You know, you're just like, Oh, California. Like, I don't know. These guys again, these guys. Yeah. These guys, they're everywhere. (laughs) Well, you know, it's so funny about that is when I was in uh, Utah hunting last year and I'm out running across the top of the mountain at daybreak. Like I went up to the top of the mountain before daylight, like, and I'm running across this mountain, you know, seeing bucks and this and that and the other thing. And everybody else is sitting down in their trucks watching this just beautiful, you know, 150, 160 uh, inch four by four. And I chased this, you know, I chased it and I got on it and I shot it. And I got down and, and everybody is like, wow, you would be from California. You're the only one that's willing to run across the top of the mountain like that. Like, and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, isn't for me, like that's normal hunting. Like, you know, like I just, I get out there and hunt and I find an animal and I get on it. Yeah. See, that's what I'm talking about. You know, you're so excited to, to be chasing a deer around and uh, all of us other Western hunters, we just want to sit up on the mountain with our optics and just watch him from across the canyon while we yeah. while we think about how we're gonna think about going after him, all right. And here's this asshole from California already at the top. Beat you to it. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. But so, you know, I mean, uh, go, go, go. Let me go back to what we were talking about. Let me yeah. let me just rephrase my question, maybe, um, and, and make it a little bit more simple. Um, How do you how do you use your life experiences or, or what what do your life experiences um, do to help you stay mentally strong when you're on a hunt? Oh man, uh, so I mean I had that accident right, and I was 19 years old. I mean, am I supposed to walk again? Maybe. Am I supposed to be able to do half of the physical ability that any normal person can do? Most likely not. You know, I mean you break your back, you shatter your knee, you're kind of just done. You know, you're, you move into the body of an old man. (laughs) Um, you know what I mean though? Like I have, I have no cartilage underneath my kneecap and that's just how I live on a daily basis. Um, and I overcame that, you know, and like, like part, and you'd see it because you, you follow me on, on the gram is like, I go to the gym a lot. I work out 
a lot. You know what I mean? Like I will push through any wall that my head puts up, you know, like what I was talking about on that trip to Utah last year. Um, when I was running across the top of that mountain, you know, I, I shot it at two bucks and I missed them both at 150 yards. Right. And I sat down and I collected myself and I don't, I don't know if this has to do with the accident and overcoming the physical ailments and, you know, the, the problems that I've had, um, in my head because of those accidents, you know, but I sat down, I collected myself, I found another buck and I got after it. You know, there's, as far as I'm concerned, it's like, if I can over, you know, if I can overcome alcoholism and I can overcome, you know, um, having a, a near death experience in a fall where, you know, most likely I shouldn't be walking or I should be walking s- severely crippled. Um, I can overcome anything, you know, and, and that mountain is not going to stop me. The, whatever in the field, like I look for, some, I look for the roughest, most rugged country that I could get into. And I'm like, that's where I'm going to go just because I want to push myself that much further and that much harder. You do you, know, do you typically, um, are you backpack hunting typically? Uh, not really. So, um, for me, I mean, most of the time I'm more of like, I'm going to park somewhere and set up camp and then, and then hike out of camp, hike into the back country, hike into the back country. Um, you know, I mean, I'll put down 10 or 15 miles in a day, you know, easy with no problem. You know, and, and that's what the pack on and, you know, whatever instrument that I'm using for hunting. What, and, uh, what, what's the worst gear decision that you've ever made relative to, uh, like days like that where you're hiking a bunch? Ooh. What's the best gear decision you've ever made? The worst gear decision yeah. is, uh, I did, oh man, maybe like 14 miles in moccasins. Because I forgot my boots in camp. That was a horrible. I don't know if you've ever hiked in moccasins, but like, dude, it's good for a little bit and like periodically switching back and forth or whatever. But uh, I just straight up only had moccasins and I hunted the entire day and my Achilles heels were destroyed <laughs> by they- the end of the hunt. Are they the stockasins for my buddy Tanner in Salt Lake or just some generic moccasins? <laughs> like No man, they were they're actually like true moccasins. Uh <laughs> let me see if I can find them. Um, it kind of reminds me of you know, when I, I'll take my boots off and throw my extra pair of wool socks on for, mm-hmm. you know, for about a hundred yards, that's great. Um, but then you know how it goes, you end up, um, you know, a quarter mile, uh, you know, the, the deer got up and moved or fed or, or, or you hit one or something like that. And you aren't smart enough to go back and put your boots on and you end up going, you know, a mile and a half in your socks. Right. But, right. I can't, I can't find uh, the company I got, they might not even exist anymore, but I think Minnetonka was, <laughs> is similar to what I'm rocking yeah. for my moccasins. What, what's the best piece of gear? What's the best gear decision you ever made or 
or and or what's what's one thing that you just like aside from the main like core like obviously you're not going to go without a backpack and you're not going to go without your weapon and your boots what's like that one little like thing that you always throw in that might be weird or that's like your thing that you're always throwing in my niche item yeah um you know so this is all right i got and it's it's not a gear item it's a food item (laughs) so my niche hunting snack i do two of them it's it's two slices of potato bread probably like a quarter or a third of a pound of salami two slices of sharp cheddar cheese and peanut butter It's like 1,500 calories all at once. Dude, if you ever need something, because like you, you can wrap it in saran wrap. It doesn't need to be refrigerated. It's not going to go bad on you. It can sit in your pack for two or three days with no problem. <laughs> and it's everything that you need as far as sugars, proteins, fats, you know, carbohydrates, everything. It's, it's your fully loaded everything that you need. Do you have a name for it, or is it just all those things have, together in a sentence? I have no name. <laughs> no, for it. I've heard. But I said. Yeah. I said. I've heard Aaron Aaron Snyder mentions like a butthole sandwich and. Um, Wait, have, what's in the butthole sandwich? I you know what? To be honest, I don't know. I've heard him reference it, but just in kind of in passing, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't when he was actually explaining what's in it. So I'll have to do some research on that, but. Yeah, I'd be interested to know about... Ket- I mean, catches your attention, doesn't it? It does, it does, for many different reasons that I won't get into on the podcast. <laughs> okay. Um, maybe real quick, just tell... I'm just curious if you have a story uh, besides you know, when you were young and you uh, blew that uh, shot opportunity for your dad, what's maybe another story of... Um, a mistake that you've made hunting or the biggest mistake that you've made uh, hunting that you can think of? Oh, easy. This is super easy. Uh Oh, <laughs> so getting into hunting, right. It's like, all right, cool. I mean, everybody, all, all, all I get is like hand me down stuff, you know, in my, in my younger years before I had a job and could afford to buy my own gear. And, uh, so I get a 1989, warthog compound bow wood huh it's wood oh for sure it's yeah wood. hey that's the oh, same yeah. the same bow that i grew up hunting with yeah yep. right it's P- i mean psc I've killed, I've killed two i've killed two deer with it so i'm not gonna knock it it, yep. it still works to this day i've got it hung on my uh stairwell in my house it had like a flipper flipper rest right yeah yeah for okay. sure i'm with you i got i have the same bow go ahead so I have that bow and I'm out on a hunt with my dad and we're just having a gas of a time. And, uh, I'm coming down this ravine and my dad is walking down below in front of it. And my dad jumps a buck. Right. And I don't know it, you know, but then all of a sudden I hear, and I'm in the middle, I'm on the edge in this jack pine patch, but like inside of the tree line of it. Right. And I'm like, I stop. My heart's pounding out of my chest. 
I'm like, this is amazing. I have no idea what's going to happen. I'm so ready for this. There's going to be a deer. And broadside steps just a gorgeous fork, right? Biggest fork I'd ever seen in person in my life at the time. <laughs> and uh, I had just switched over from uh, because of my accident for whatever reason. If I, sh- I used to shoot three fingers. And uh, after my accident, when I tried to shoot three fingers, my my uh, ring finger and my middle finger go numb yep. from holding the string. And I, I couldn't tell you what the nerve damage is behind that, but obviously something's not working right. So I switched over, and this is like right when thumb releases had just come out, right? Or uh, thumb trigger or whatever. I don't know the proper name of it. A thumb, uh, like an actual thumb or a tr- just a regular like trigger release? Well, it's a, it was a thumb trigger release. Okay. I, ca- I, I can't remember the name of it at all. I have it laying around somewhere because it's the devil. Uh-huh. And uh, so I latch on and, I, and I'm coming back. And I mean, those old bows, well, I'm, I'm definitely shooting like an Easton <laughs> aluminum arrow. Yeah, you know, so it, I'm in draw, and the arrow screeches on the rest, right? And if you look, so I'll back up real quick. So if you look, the deer stepped out broadside in front of me, eighty yards on the other side of the deer, above the bushes, is my dad looking at the buck through his binoculars. Right. And seeing me behind the buck while the buck is looking at him. Right. So like no better way for a father to witness his son kill his first year. You're about to just make him so proud. Dude, the most proud dad moment on the planet. Right. And I'm going into full draw and like, I'm like two thirds of the way there. The arrow screeches. And I cringe and I tense up because, like, dude, it's the loudest sound in the world, even though I don't even know how I even heard it, right? And I get there and I, ten- and I tense and I release the arrow and it shoots six inches over its back. <laughs> Completely. I tense so the webbing of my thumb pushed because I wasn't, my finger wasn't on the, on the, on the, the trigger. So the webbing on my thumb, when I tensed and I pulled that release into my hand by making a fist. That was all it took. Dude, I pushed it into the web of my thumb and it shot the arrow. Dude, just thinking about it right now, it's so painful. (laughs) That's so crazy. But, yeah, that would be... That would be another blown opportunity that I definitely had who um I have a pretty good idea but who who would you say is your uh, hunting hero my hunting hero or just your hero in general that's like that's a lot so I mean there's so many different ways that I could go with that um I would say my hunting hero. So there's there's two different people. You threw it out there, so I'm going to elaborate on both. Okay. Um, my hunting hero would definitely be my dad. You know, like 
the amount of time that I get to spend, like I, I, my dad had a double heart attack in 2012. Um, he died twice. You know, he died once in his, in the elevator on his way up to the catheter lab. And, uh, they put a stint in through his leg and he had a widow maker heart attack, which like 90% death rate all the time, no matter what. Wow. And, uh, they brought it back by putting a stint in and then he flatlined again. And, um, they brought him back again, obviously, because I was hunting with him last year. But, <laughs> but, uh, so since, since that, um, you know, I took my dad on a hunting trip to Oregon and I got him on his biggest buck of his life. The following year, we went to Montana and I got him his, his biggest buck of his life. Um, last year, we went to Utah together and he missed two back to back, two of the biggest bucks of his life. Um, you know, and then again in California, I mean, last year my dad had a California elk tag, which, you know, collectively between points and actually putting in for it took him 28 to 30 years to draw it. But, um, was that the picture uh, with the rifle? With him, with him and the elk. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That was last year. Sweet bull. Yeah, dude, it's a sweet bull, and and uh, I mean, we had some other opportunities that didn't pan out. You know, there's a, there was one opportunity probably on a three sixty or three seventy class bull, um, and it just didn't come together the way we wanted it to. Um, and then another one that was, you know, probably between three fifty and mid three sixties, but. Uh, you know, so I, I, I dedicate, you know, at least 10 days, a solid 10 day trip every year, excuse me, to trying to beat what my dad and I did the year prior. <laughs> and I mean, last year was phenomenal. Dude. We had 10 days in an X zone in California. We had 10 days together on an elk hunt in California. And then we had 10 days in Utah together. Um, but that, so that California elk hunt, it was actually the worst thing ever. I, when I showed up to that hunt, I had 103 degree temperature Whew. and it took me four days to break that cold, which sucked, but we got it done. Um, or he ended up getting it done after I left, but, uh, um, you know, so I, my dad would definitely be my hunting hero. Um, this year, my dad and I have a trip out to Colorado, um, coming up and the caliber of deer that are on the property where we're going to be hunting in Kim, Colorado is out of this planet. Um, a good buddy of mine that, uh, he knits beanies and they're actually, they're called meanies. So he knits meanies. He's a, uh, he's a combat vet and, uh, he served, I want to say 24 years before he got out and, uh, after he got out or in the transition, he also taught curriculum at UC Davis, um, first and stuff. And, uh, he offered up the opportunity for my dad and I to come out and, uh, hunt with him and his family on their pro on their properties. His name, uh, his 
handle on Instagram would be Warrior Woven, but like he's just one of the nicest, kindest, gentlest people um, that I've ever had the experience, you know, and, and to have the opportunity to get to go out there and, and hunt with him and uh, work with him. I've actually worked with him here in California on hunts with uh, wounded vets and, you know, stuff like that. And uh, it's just an amazing opportunity. So we got that hunt coming up and uh, really, really, really looking forward to it. If you look on my Instagram, there's a picture of a white tail that's just like a toad, an absolute toad. I can, I mean, it's obviously not bookable because it's off private property, but um, it's ridiculous. So that being said, my other hero um, and, and a huge inspiration and drive for me would be my uncle. Um, and I talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, my uncle, uh, him and his buddies, like, how do I want to say it? So when I was, when I was like 29, 30, I went and visited my uncle and, uh, we were having a conversation and I was talking about how, you know, I'm done with life and like, I'm slowing down and this and that. And he kind of looked at me and he's like, you know, I didn't even start living my life until I was 30 years old. Um, and now my uncle and his buddies, they invented the housing for the underwater camera. They were some of the first people to ever record any underwater film. You know, they figured out how to manipulate flashes underwater to get the exposures right on film. Um, you know, the first person in the world to ever knowingly dive with great white sharks. I mean, any footage that you might have seen growing up and like, the 80s and 90s of guys swimming around with great white sharks and poking them with broom handles. That's all my uncle's footage and my uncle and his buddies. Like, you know, they figured out what bubble netting was and how whales operate. Uh, he shot photography for National Geographic. So, like, and this is, like, this is his Nat Geo side of his life, right? Like, this doesn't even get into, you know, filming movies and you know, all the things that he did in Hollywood and like all different kinds of stuff like that. So, and what he did coming up in his career, he ended up buying a ranch in Montana and he bought the ranch. One of the biggest reasons he bought the ranch was so his dad, my grandfather could have a good place to hunt out of the state of California. And that was when my family started traveling up to Montana to go hunt. Um, you know, so he's always had big buck stories and, and he's lived this life of just like absolute insanity. And when he told me my life didn't even start until after I was, you know, until I was 30, when I was just coming to be 30, that kind of just relit this fire of passion for living. You know what I mean? Like I can do anything. I can accomplish anything. All I have to do is put my mind to it, you know, and I, and I talked to my uncle about it and I'm like, you know, I'd ask him for advice or, you know, whatever. And he would just tell me, you know, just keep at it, you know, and then next thing he knows, he's filming, he's filming the abyss in his pool or he's filming the deep or he's, you know, filming James Bond movies or, 
you know, he was, he, him and his friends were the ones who discovered where the Titanic was and they, all the submarine footage and all of that stuff with the Titanic was all my uncle's work, you know, and his photography and him commanding the submarines, you know, and him and James um, producing the movie and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, there's no limit to the amount of anything that any of us can do because we never know what's behind the next door. And as, as long as we're willing to put ourselves out there and as long as we're willing to continue to try and, and, and open that door or, or look, you know, for the next opportunity, anything can happen, you know? And, and it's like when, when I got to that point where I was like, I'm, I'm done, I'm 30, I'm, you know, I'm done doing cool things. Like I'm old now, you know, I'm like, you're just getting started. Dude, I'm just getting started, man. And like, dude, my uncle's 80 now. And so for the last 50 years, the amount of achievements that he's achieved, whether it be with national geographic underwater photography or the film industry and, you know, all of his buddies that he did films with and all that kind of stuff. Or, you know, he went from filming, he retired in 98 after they did Titanic. And then he started building cars, right? And he was working, I don't know if you're familiar with old cars, but he was doing old original uh, restorations of uh, Willie's Nights <laughs> and all these really crazy old cars. And he would be the only one that would have it, he'd get the one of a kind, right? And taking Pebble Beach and, and placing it Hershey and like all these different crazy experiences and, and you know, and it's just like, oh, cool. And now he's like, oh, I'm done with that. And, you know, I'm going to start diving again. And he's 80 years old. Like, and that, for me, like that pushes me to that point of like, there isn't a limit, you know what I mean? There's no there's no limit to what I can do or what you can do or what anybody can do. Like there's, did I fall off a roof? Yes. You know, did I have horrible circumstances growing up, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, through abuse, not from my family, but just through abuse or, you know, did I have bad circumstances because I was an alcoholic as a teenager and like out of control kid that got shipped all around the country or, different rehabs like yeah dude could i make a, a great case for like circumstances of why i'm a victim and you know everybody owes me something or can i grind and try to be the best person i can be to every single person that i meet and try to help as many people as i possibly can in my lifetime to make a positive impact a positive change you know yeah. it's like i'd rather not be the victim and i'd rather put my energy into making a happy and purposeful life, you know, yeah. like, dude, yeah, there's bad things that have happened. And like, that's just part of life. Right. But I, I'm not going to go oh, ahead. Sorry. I was just, uh, no, something that kept running through my mind while you're saying that is, um, yeah. I, I follow, um, you know, I, I follow a guy named Gary, v, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. And mm -hmm. I've, I've mentioned him before on here. Um, just, just for his perspective on, on kind of, uh, life and he's entrepreneurial and stuff like that it has nothing to do with hunting, but, and, and don't, uh, don't follow his, uh, social media stuff. If, you know, if you don't want to, um, hear some swear words and stuff, 
if if <laughs> if that's the case, you just read his books. Um, but one one thing that he um, <clears throat> one thing that he'll always say is just how much how much time we have. Um, yeah. You know how how much time. You know when you when you're when you're when you're at the point of um, you know thirty years old, like you're saying, and um, man, you, you think like on the one hand, you think, gosh, dang, I'm thirty, like you know, people are supposed to have their life figured out by now, or they're supposed to be whatever it might be married or into their career. Um, and, yeah. and, and, and maybe you're not, um, you still have, you know, it's like, like your uncle being 80, um, you still have, you know, another, you know, 50 years. Yeah. And when you put it in perspective of that, and then you think back of how, how much time you've had for the first 30 years, you're like, man, I've got forever. And it's, you know, it's hard when you're eight, it's hard when you're 18 because, you know, your whole life, uh, feels like, you know, not, not very long, but man, when you're, when, when, when you're 30 and you look back and you just realize how much time you have, um, yeah. you know, to do things it it just hel- helps you be a lot more patient. But, um, and then, and, and then the other thought, um, that I wanted to touch on is just, um, the fact that, um, you know, you, you can, the, the, the message that I, the valuable message that I think you have is, um, you know, just how you could always, you can always rebound. You can always come back, um, yeah. you know, and, and, and how, how applicable that is to, uh, you know, a backcountry hunt where, right. Like on, yeah. on such a, a smaller scale and so insignificant. Um, but man, like, you know, so it's, it's, it's day seven of a, a nine day hunt and you just stalked a buck and you blew it. And, you know, it's like you, you, you always have time to come back to that, um, and, until it's over, you know, you, yeah. it's as long as the attitude's there, um, you can always pull yourself out and say, you know what, I'm going to, and, and, and maybe for a hunt, maybe it's even the next year who, who cares, yeah. you know, but, right. but, um, you, you can always choose to, uh, you know, to just look forward to the next one and forget about, uh, you know, what just happened because it's, it's in the past, you know, his Gary, Gary V's, um, you know, not, not to stay on, not to, as Snyder would say, not to inflate his tires too much, but, um, his, his he, he loves to answer, uh, when people come up with these excuses of all these things, you know, and you're, you're mentioning all these hardships that you've had in your life and, um, all these excuses that you could come up with. It's like, well, you know, when you rattle those off, the answer is always, and. Yeah. You know, and and and, and so well, what? Like, you know, and. It, well, it's, it's and again, it's a, you know exactly in that in that same mindset. It's something that Jocko says on his podcast. It's like, good. That happened. Good. Yeah. Learn yeah. from it. You know what I mean? What can you take from that? That's going to be positive. Yeah. And how can you apply that into your life and carry that forward? You know, and oh, like, I, I, I stalked in on a buck and, um, you know, my arrow screeched back on my PSE warthog, um, because those were pieces of crap back in the day and, you know, the buck blew out. Good. Good. You know, yeah, n- next time, next time that's not going to happen. I'll bet, I'll bet, I'll bet, I'll bet you didn't let that happen the next time. And if you did good, not. you won't let it happen. Yeah. Then, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So where's, and that's for me, that's so much of what I, I try to remember is like, what can I take the positive? Don't look at the negative. All right. I blew a stock. Why? What can I do to make it better next time? Right. Like learn from it. What was my mistake? 
I was an idiot and I cringed and I let my, my nervousness and my paranoia and my mind take over the control that I'm supposed to be having as a hunter trying to take an ethical shot. Right. Right. So it's, yeah, man, it's, it's, uh, you know, but so like what I was saying, man, is like, you know, I mean, I had that accident. That sucks, dude. Oh, well, that's not going to keep me from doing other things. You know, like I can, all of the experiences that I've had in my life, um, you know, and, and I'll use, I'll use a, a, uh, the abuse that I had gone through as like a, a prime example, right? Like, but as an adult, I learned how to get through it. I learned how to get past it. And I get learned how to utilize that as an attribute, as a positive attribute. The amount of men and other people that I get to help, you know, on a weekly, daily, or monthly basis because of the experiences that I've had in my life and how I've overcome them and what I've gotten to do to take my best step forward is the rewards that I get from getting to help other people is far beyond the damage that that experience caused me in my life or that those experiences caused me in my life. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you, you spend a lot of time helping um, other people on their hunts and, uh, and I'm just curious, um, yeah. you know, why, why, why do you take time out of your, you know, vacation or your hunts or whatever um, to, to go, to go and help others on their hunts? Um, so, you know, and this kind of goes back to, you know, how did you get into, how did I get into hunting? When you asked me originally, it's like, my family taught me freely, right? Now I'm a hunter's education instructor for the state of California. So I see a lot of new hunters, but I also meet other hunters. I'm always willing if someone asks me for help or someone reaches out to me for help, give them phone time. If I can make it happen and it's not, too much insanity i'll show up and i'll go help them on a hunt without a tag i don't need a tag you know what i mean for me the experience of watching somebody get their first animal or or helping somebody in on the stock on a buck on where they would have been on a solo hunt you know things like that like i love that you know what i mean and like the language of hunting was given to me freely my entire life by generations of hunters there's so many people nowadays that are getting into hunting in their twenties or in their thirties, you know what I mean? Like later in life and they have no idea what they're doing. And <laughs> us as a community, you know, it's totally true though. Yeah. You know, like that's, I mean, that, getting to listen. Yeah, that, that's who like, this podcast is, is for, you know, <laughs> you know, so like you take, you take, you know, other than like a couple podcasts and like a couple actual good hunting shows, like you don't really, there's not much information like, yeah, you get some from forums, but as a community of hunters, like a new hunter, 99% of the time, we're not going to take a new hunter under our wing or take them to our hunting spots or show them around or share knowledge because we don't want to blow up our honey hole. Right. So for me, this, it's all been given to me completely freely. Right. So why can I not give it back? Why can I not help the next guy that might have a kid and get to carry it on through generations 
of having a positive, you know, he had a positive experience with me and me teaching him my knowledge and spending my time and my life to go out there and, and help them. And he's going to teach his kid and his kid's going to teach his kid. And you know what I mean? And where does that stop? Yeah. You know, and like where everybody, you know, it's, it's such a common theme right now for everybody to say we're dying off as hunters. And, you know, like that's why I teach hunters education. That's why I'm, I'm out there trying to help new people understand, you know, what's going on. And I grew up in Marin County, California, you know, like hunting is not the normal out here. Like being a, being a vegan is normal, <laughs> you know, shopping at whole foods for everything. And it has to be organic. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like I don't, I mean, like I need organic food, but I hunt my own, you know? And like, if I have time and God willing, I grow a vegetable garden, you know, like, you know, that's where I'm at. You well, know, and I, I go ahead. Oh no, keep keep going. I was just gonna. I was just gonna. I I thought that was a good uh, good wrap up right there. Um, yeah, but yeah, yeah. I'm good with that. I just you know, uh, I I I I appreciate two two things more than anything here. I I appreciate your uh, your willingness to jump on and, and I, I, I like to give you credit for, uh, you know, taking time out of your day. I also, uh, like to give you credit for, you know, being, being willing to just, uh, be a good example and, and, and do the right thing. Um, you know, put pushing through, uh, hardships in life and finding a way to uh, have a positive, positive outlook on it. Yeah, um, for sure. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you very much, man. Yeah, I mean, like like mm. I said, I, I wasn't kidding. It, it it really just that that uh, happy attitude um, is what uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what drew me to you. And so when you when you kind of reached out and messaged, I, I don't even know if that's what you you know if you were even asking to uh, you know what what you were messaging me for, but I was like, hey, why don't you come on the uh, on the on the podcast? So. Um, yeah, I don't even remember what I originally messaged you for about yeah. the other. I mean, we've been messaging for months now. But, yeah, you know, earlier it, this week, I don't even remember what we were talking about. It doesn't even matter. So yeah, but, I, I thank you so much for having me on, man. I appreciate it. You know, and and uh, you know, I, I I love getting to listen to your podcast. It's fun, you know, from one podcaster to another, it's it's <laughs> extremely fun for me. You know, it's like. Um, the podcasting world I've found is extremely interesting in the sense that like I've had, I've had people with podcasts call me and ask me for advice and like, you know, try to talk my ear off. And then at the same time, at the end of the conversation say, you know, Hey, if you're looking for sponsors, don't go to the people that I'm looking for. These are the people that I'm talking to for sponsorship. And it's like, <laughs> Whoa, dude, like chill out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, and but, uh, the the good part about that is, um, I don't have any sponsors, so I'm right. I'm sponsored uh, tonight by um, an Easton Arrow that I happen to be holding. That they're not a sponsor, and mm -hmm. that's I just have something in my hand to hold. So, <laughs> but and you're not taking the leak. Nope, nope, not going to the bathroom. Um. Well, I'll let you go. One one last question though that I want to uh, that I ask everyone um, just to kind of wrap up and and I like to hear people's perspective on this um, is why do you hunt the backcountry? 
solitude. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Finding Backcountry podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and mention it to your friends. But the best thing you can do, leave a rating on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform. For notes and links to this and other episodes, please visit findingbackcountry.com.